win. It'll take four years to get another chance to be undefeated on Leap Day. It's that so MLS. <laughs> With myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. I said no intro lines that involve math. <laughs> let me let me drag good. out the calendars. <laughs> you see, Nick. I was I was about at one point I was like digging through old CONCACAF Champions League uh results to see if there had been a game on the 29th and i was like only the league only the league I, this is yeah. this is the level of this accuracy hole, that i want for this, this rabbit trip. hole could go down forever this is a north we american are... soccer podcast oh, yeah. that's true that that's what this is in the that's what we're doing uh here. the the big league that we like to watch and talk about major league soccer came back this weekend sure did came back with a bang um <laughs> There's so, there's so much. Actually, I, there's so much to talk about. But at the same time, part of me was like, I was expecting there to just be like endless games. And there was a point on Saturday where I was like, okay, I need to like catch my breath here. I can't like simultaneously watch every single game. But then, you know, going back and reviewing the things that I missed, I was like, well, it's not so bad. And then I remembered that once we get midweek games going again, it's going to be brutal. But there's a good amount of games, 13 games. 26 teams, goals, wins, losses, some nil-nil stuff. Whoo, it feels good to be back. They scheduled them all to kind of throughout the weekend. So you had like a, there was, there was one at, at like two uh, Atlantic and then there was another one at four and then something else was happening in the middle. So it was like, I feel like I caught all or part of like eight games. Yeah, I really liked how well spread out it was in that. It was kind of like would start in the morning and then basically go all day. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit nicer if you're on the West Coast because then you get a little bit of extra time to sleep in. That's true, and I mean, like it goes the 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 downside is that it goes late, and that especially is painful when it comes to the the games on Sunday or or whatever if they start on the the um, the West Coast. But things uh things were pretty good. Did you get uh speaking of your games on the West Coast, um did you find tickets? I did get tickets in the end to the uh White Caps match. It took some doing. It was quite um, the adventure I, on your Twitter account. It was quite the adventure. I mean, as usual, most of the time I'm just killing time on Twitter waiting for things, but I had scheduled a call back because I was like, whatever. You know what? It's the day of the new season and it's going to be a little bit crazy but two days earlier I was like oh you can schedule a call with a ticket rep so I was like well I'll just do that I'm sure I'm not the only person that's like hey I canceled my tickets but like what can we do about season's tickets because um, it's just cheaper really um, and th- that didn't happen the call never came and so I started kind of like pestering them on Twitter it took like another hour and a half for somebody to contact me and then another, they were like, all right, give us your phone number. We'll call you. And I'm like, well, I already did that. Um, and then the call came like quite a while later after I'd already just bought tickets on Ticketmaster. So I got tickets in the end. Um, the, I think the moral of the story here is don't leave things to the last minute, kids. But also, I'm not crazy impressed with <laughs> so you tried- how things shook out on that end, but... So I was you... literally, I was trying for all of Saturday morning to give the Whitecaps my money and become a season's ticket holder again. And by the end of it, I was like, maybe I'm just going to go to this one game instead. And I was just <laughs> getting over eager 
And I think the universe intervened in a nice way. Did you have a nice, did you have a, a how was, how was your experience? Do you think that, uh, um, like, do you now, are you now going to give it a little bit more time? I'm going to give it a little bit more time. Okay. I'll say this. After all my griping, I had fun at the game. That's um, good. I want. I was primed to go and have fun. I went with my friend who all I had seasons tickets with last year. We've canceled together. We, we got individual tickets together. We had a good time. Well, there was a, it was a good time this weekend at MLS as I feel, uh, or for, for many people, there was lots of late goals. Um, but one player that did not have a good time is Joseph Martinez, who has, Man. that's the big bummer. There was lots of great games. We want to talk about this over, you know, at the top before we get into the, the fun stuff, but it's like, Let's yeah. Let's get the bummer news out first. <laughs> Joseph Martinez that... in in the in the, I think the sixty first or the sixty third minute tore his AC, uh, ACL his knee um, and tried to play on it for a minute uh, until getting until he was like instantly was like oh no I can't do this. Yeah, I mean. I can't. Yeah, how many? How long did he actually play on it? Because, I mean, it wasn't all that long. But I, I think you know the medical staff's probably kicking themselves for even letting him try to continue. But I had watched ACL it. It's just so so hard to know. I hadn't watched it, but my understanding was that it was a little bit more in the vein of, "No, guys, 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 I'm okay." And then he stands up and he's like, "I'm not okay." Yeah, he's sort of hobbling around in the. Atlanta's defensive area and then goes down and yeah the fears were confirmed the day after uh he's a torn ACL so that's his season done um I mean of course sometimes people recover quickly but I mean if he comes back it ain't gonna be till the very very end of the season it's kind of interesting because uh you mentioned that it was confirmed um as we record this on a Tuesday it was confirmed yesterday it was almost an afterthought like even though it happened on the pitch it's like I didn't hear there was a problem. I wasn't watching that particular game, and I didn't hear that there was a problem with Joseph until Monday. It's like, oh, what? But it happened in front of everyone. Um, the, yeah, uh, I, mean, I think it's one of those things because he's been injured before, right? Like he's gone down before, yeah. and people were like, oh, that looks bad. And then a few weeks later, he's back. So I think everybody was just like, I mean, it's Joseph Martinez. He's built like a tank. He'll be fine. Um, yeah. So the um, Atlanta Journal-Constitution had a, a story where they interviewed a, a doctor about ACL injuries and, and how long they usually take. Um, the doctor says that although you can start moving at two to three months, that you want to wait usually nine to 12 months so that you yeah. um, you can get you know all of the, the regrown tissue and, and muscle back up to peak performance, although... Um, high caliber athletes, maybe could, re, you know, get into the swing of things a little bit quicker. Um, the on Twitter, the the Venezuela radio Fe e Alegria Noticias, which is like a community radio, um, said that the Atlanta staff says that he won't play for six months, which is pro- which sounds to me like at least six months because it could it it must be longer than that. Yeah, I feel like DeBoer is going to be coming up with a plan that does not include Joseph Martinez for this season. Um, of course, they'll do everything they can to get him back sooner. But 
with a star player like this too, you're not, they're not going to rush it. Like there's just, there's absolutely zero point in at this point in his career to go through all the rehab and then put your player out before he's ready. Um, eh. Because if he re-injures it, that that could be him done. His only, the, the Atlanta's only remaining striker is Adam John. Yiker. Not that Adam when, John is bad, but it's but it's just not the same. You know, it, it's it's interesting. Well, it's interesting like, when people oh, were, we have one left. We when only people had were talking when people were talking about um, the departure of Viaba, and they were like, you know, it's kind of surplus to requirements. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's he's an expensive sort of sub striker, but he's good to have. And I, I mean, it didn't even cross my mind like in case Martinez is injured because I just thought. If he is injured, you know, he'll need a week off at some point. But, um, you know, there's already talk of what the emergency signing might be. However, we should point out that Atlanta did win and Martinez did not score in this game. So it's possible. It's, it can be done. Yeah. But obviously, it just sucks. It's just there's no... Everybody, even those who hate Martinez, it's like you, you want the best players to play. We had talked a little bit about how last week about how sort of my thought was that he was the player to watch Atlanta because the deck was clear for him. Um, yeah. The, uh, like with, with Rooney out of the league, Ibrahimovic out of, Ibrahimovic out of the league and, and sort of the, maybe a little bit more of a chance to, to, to resume that two horse battle between him and Carlos Vela. And somebody said mm -hmm. in the, I was, I was cringing in the commentary or when you look at the highlights when you go into the commentary it's like I was talking to Joseph and he says he wants his best top goals record back this year. Oh, oh well Yeah. Uh I I I I'm trying to find out who it was, but um uh somebody said MLS about to announce R Jam replace Joseph allocation money. Hmm. The, yes, okay. The 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 soccer cooligans, yes, that's who that was. Um but uh but it'll be interesting to see what the the response is. Um I was very sad about this um Miguel Almiron thing. Did you see that? Yeah, his his little goal celebration that he used to do. I think he did it in his first goal. No, Martinez did it when he scored his first goal post um, Almiron, where he did the the heart, but just half the heart, because Almiron wasn't there to complete the other half. It's the Dragon Ball fusion pose. It's the, is is the team? It's like this great team gesture. And when you look at the two pictures side by side, it's like there's nothing sadder than somebody doing that alone. Like it's just such a such a gesture of 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 sadness. But I will say, I I think it, that the positive part of that is it's just nice to see that, you know, players that form these relationships do act like, you know, the friendships last. It's not just like a, mm. a sort of pretend like, oh, yeah, we're like best friends and, you know, we just help each other score goals. Like, obviously, there's, there's a relationship there between two players that have a lot of respect for each other. So that, that's, I mean... That's the only silver lining I can take from this just, like, a nightmare scenario. And, I mean, obviously it has massive implications for Atlanta. But part of me is like, screw Atlanta. Like, I just feel bad for Joseph. Like, it just... 
He's in the prime of his career. I mean, I think everybody's been talking about like how much interest there has been around the world for him potentially for a massive transfer and to see his career really take off. Um, this is a big, big setback. No doubt. As you mentioned, uh, it was a win for Atlanta, uh, who beat Nashville uh, in Nashville in their opening game. Uh, crowd sounded great. Um, yeah, it was it was bumping. The uh, you had you had here very early on in the ninth minute. I was mentioning because you were saying that that uh, he didn't score. I thought uh, that Joseph didn't score in the game. I felt that um, Ezekiel Barco looked great. Um, not just throughout the game, but especially in the ninth minute where he sort of, uh, he got free, cut wide, and then drifts in and then takes a shot from outside the box to open the scoring. Yeah, just a little bit of naivety from Nashville to, I mean, they've got four players watching him and nobody closes him down, so they just allow him this kick from the top of the box. But, I mean, Barco's got everything to do. He's got two players open as well, but decides to take it on himself and just rips a a curler quite low um, beating Joe Willis but uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful goal I will also say too Barco looks very good angry after he scores a goal so if the, if we need a taker up of the like angry looking face after scoring a goal I think Barco's up to the challenge and the big moment that I think that if you um, if you had been wondering what was going to happen with this Walker Zimmerman there's no reason to suggest that center back Walker Zimmerman would be the person to score at Nashville's first goal. But after they made that big move for him, he, he really seemed to be a centerpiece and he indeed scored on the 28th minute. Um, you had 59,000 people at Nissan stadium going wild. Uh, he is, he was sort of able to head the, uh, the ball down over Joseph Martinez and then recover his own, uh, recover the ball, and poke it in himself. Yeah, a little, a million dollar toe <laughs> poke. It's a, uh, but it's a great goal, um, and it was nice to see signs of life from Nashville. Overall, I thought they played quite well. Uh, what did you think of Nashville's performance? Um, I, like I said, this was one that came between uh, a couple. This was the one that I, I got the the least overlap on um they are a, a team that as much as anybody as much as any new side is kind of like an mls mad lips in a way where it's just like throws like a bunch of names that is, is a hard are at this time is hard to even um grasp that they're they're all together i think that they did pretty they did pretty solid and, and overall had um like a decent amount of push to get that goal back, but they, uh, they, I don't know that I saw a lot in terms of like strong attacking chances other than that. It's true. Um, I mean, I think for their first outing and like playing league, well, almost league champions, <laughs> champions in the league, not actually league champions. Um, I thought that overall they did okay. You know, like for a first game, kind of a short preseason for them, not a lot of time to play together. They definitely looked like a side that had not played a lot together. But I, I think that 
things look promising for them. Maybe I was wrong the about the, the 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 amount of chances, but uh, amount of attacking because they they did do some of it. Take a look at this. This I found this set to be kind of interesting. So the shot the the outshot Atlanta fourteen to six with four to two on target. They got Nashville had six off target shots, which which you know changes the the um, the complexion. But although Atlanta had fifty five percent of possession, that was in in the five minute intervals. That was all until the last 25 minutes of the game, in which case, like for some reason, Nashville really just turned it on late. They were able to really take control. Yeah. yeah. And which is not a bad thing to have in MLS. Um, I mean, they couldn't quite get it over the finish line, but I thought again, showing who they're playing against a team that has already had some champions league action obviously has no problem performing in the league. I thought that, you know, Nashville gave a good account of themselves. If not for the uh, the late kind of weird Atlanta goal, I think this would have been, you know, a nice point for Nashville to pick up. Do you not? Be. Um, the, the season's first game, I thought, was also one of its uh, most interesting in the way that it played out. I feel like you this was the... DC United uh, losing two one to Colorado at home. Um, I felt that you got a lot of of you saw a lot of both teams here, um, and you got a, a you got a last minute mm-hmm. goal. So there was a there was a little bit of any a little bit of everything. Um, Joseph Mora and Whitley stopped across the side of his head, um, and people were wondering if he was going to be okay, but he made it. Um, Russell Canau starts the scoring by uh, drifting free at the far post. You noted that you weren't. This was this was not a case necessarily of somebody not being marked because he or of of a club just blatantly leaving somebody open at the far post because he executed a kind of clever maneuver uh, to get on the end of the corner from Gressel. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, it was great movement rather than a post unmarked. I mean, it definitely came later in other games, but not this one. I loved We survived the first MLS game without a nobody marking the I loved that the commentary commentary team was talking about how um, created a... a, Well, not created, it's true, but they were like, DC United hasn't uh, conceded in the league in 570 minutes. Of course they conceded in the playoffs, but they were like dry. They were drawing the, the games from the regular season back to last year that they were trying to come up with this 570 game shutout streak. And immediately yeah. Kai Kamara. There was some interesting storyline polls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kai Kamara. I just, I, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of Kai Kamara, but a lot of it is because, the, like, just nobody cares about Kai Kamara, and there's all these other storylines, and he just quietly comes in and just keeps knocking in goals and ruining everything for everybody else, and everyone's like, I mean, I don't know, is he really that good? Like, nobody wants him except Colorado, apparently, and, you know, he gets gets them level seven minutes after Knaus gets DC's goal. I like that the defender here 
thinks that he's going to jump up to 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 head the cross and like just all of a sudden he has uh, a big uh, like just just Kai Kamara leaping in front of him yeah yeah just imagine um, just imagine that and all then of a sudden this crazy late goal <laughs> yeah um this crazy late goal jonathan lewis scores it's just the uh, most it's just like somebody hits the panic button in the box and dc is just all over the place but sort of attempt like blocking shots and then jonathan lewis is able to scoop it up and bang it in for a very late win for colorado um, people are kind of calling this one a surprise, but I think given the changeover at DC and, and how many pieces they're missing, um, including Paul Ariola who's out for the season as well, I thought it wasn't as surprising. Maybe I, I mean, certainly it wasn't what you may have expected. But how do you feel? Do you feel like it's a surprise that Colorado won this one, or maybe the I don't way think they that it's it? an underdog result at all. And I think that if you watch the game, what you see is this. Um, it's almost like a a transitional moment for for both sides, like DC trying to figure out DC yeah. trying to figure out how to work in Julian Gressel, and and I think that the the Gressel had a lot of opportunity, mm-hmm. or like the Gressel tried to make a lot work in this, and in and doing a decent job of it first, like like they had they had yeah, a, they were a they game. were ahead in, uh, for. Um, for a good chunk of this game, um, and then or no, not a good chunk, a couple minutes, I guess. But the first, the even though even though Colorado <laughs> led possession in the first half, it really felt like DC was getting the most chances. Mm-hmm. Um, that right from where I was sitting, and the um, like, so you have them trying to sort of like modulate where uh, things where they're at, and then on Colorado's side, um. They're working in Drew Moore, who is who comes out of, of Toronto mm-hmm. and is, is trying to you really saw him um try to keep the defense organized and focused. Um and I think that that is an interesting Which I think for the I most think part. So. I would agree. You know, especially keeping them you know, preventing them from scoring that second goal. Um so I think that it's not a surprise because if you are following those those storylines, and I don't even necessarily think that it's a disappointment from DC either, except that maybe they maybe they mm-hmm. shouldn't have had more possession. No, I, I don't think so. But they were they didn't they were the team with the the lower amount of possession in the game, and they were trying to they almost got out a result. It's only if you think of this the past few years of of Colorado and, and Colorado did better last year that you are that you think oh my god is this a is this a underdog result. Yeah, I think Colorado is going to perpetually be until they make a massive signing. They're going to be a club that people underrate. I think DC just people are considering their recent run of form, and there, there's maybe more inter- like big headline news around them, and so that's what people are relying on. But I, I thought this was a, you know a, a fairly reasonable result. I also don't think it tells us too too much about the teams, right? Like Colorado looked okay. Um, Definitely, still some issues there, and same for DC. We, uh, um, before we go to the next game, game I that... realized I looked down at my notes. We forgot something vital out of Atlanta, Nashville. 
in the 94th minute of this game, just a truly unbelievable sequence occurs with Ezekiel Barco and, uh, and Joe Willis. And it kind oh. of makes, I feel like it went sort of yeah. viral as like just a, uh, just an MLS weirdness moment. Um, and, and I just, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing when it took place because I have, I wrote down my, my blow by blow. Where is it? Um, the ball is played forward ahead of Barco and Willis comes to the center line to challenge and he gets his, he, he gets his foot on the ball and knocks it forward. But the momentum means that now Barco is closer to goal uh, than him. And he is like, he has the ball. Barco now has the ball and he's closer to goal with it, with his back to goal. So Barco starts turning as Willis tracks back um, to, to close the distance again between the two of them. And uh, Barco goes to shoot at him. And Willis decides he's going to, as in his middle third, decides with both hands he's going to palm it up with almost a, a volleyball yeah. set in the middle. The play is immediately called dead. And Willis is, in the 94th minute, assessed a yellow card. Which a lot of people, you're not, of course you're not allowed, a goalkeeper's not allowed to handle outside the area. And it's interesting because in Pro's uh, explanation following the match, they're talking about how because it's not a denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, and they go into great detail to talk about why it's yellow. And like, literally none of these reasons are why people think it should have been a red. You're a goalkeeper. You can't... Like, why are we talking... The handball rule should be different for goalkeepers who are not allowed to handle the boxes, handle the ball yeah, outside of the box. Uh, no? Maybe it's like... the super weird it's interesting because I, I i would have that is it a foul when the goalkeeper tries to handle or is it automatic red or is it an automatic it's um, an automatic red is it a, a goalkeeper's not allowed to use usually, his hands outside no, of the question. box is it usually an automatic red because it always happens right outside the penalty area like what happens what happens when the goalie i don't Okay, we'll have to look it up. The point is, it was a crazy, crazy... The goalkeeper is in the concession stand, (laughs) which Joel basically was, and tries to... Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to start talking about San Jose (laughs) Toronto. I just... just, (laughs) We're going to be here all night. I I have no desire to be like, what the... It's a red card on the moon. Let me just say this. I have no desire to be... I, I feel like... Any league has the same amount of, of howler moments that happen, so I have no desire to sit here and be like, oh, what a what a what a poor quality. But for those five seconds between when Willis touches the ball for the first time and the second time, I felt like I was on another planet. It was a, it was a strange state. It was a strange state. Was- what was I watching? It was just very. It it felt like a like late season like last game of the season, just bizarre. Like what? Why? What you doing, buddy? Why? Why for? It was funny because I was watching the I was watching the highlight clip, and it was like in the 90th minute, and I was like, "Wait, 
didn't they? Didn't something happen here? Did they leave it out of the highlight clip? And it happened instantly. <laughs> yeah. All right, San Jose, Toronto. This game for me was probably one of the. I don't want to say strangest, but just like a one of those head-shaking MLS games where you're like, well, that was unexpected, even though it all seemed so expected at first. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I I, I know that I begged on um, San Jose last week, but it really seems like teams are going into, um, are, are really taking the time to, to thoroughly scout what the Earthquakes are doing and and come up with a specific plan that uh, applies to their style of play. Um, and, and this is this was part of the approach from Toronto. Um, initially, uh, I think that the, the big talking point was Liam Fraser not being in the starting lineup because they wanted to try and create some um, create a different sort of space. The um, mm-hmm. they opened the scoring with. Um, Andy Rios hauls uh, down Josie Altador, um, and Pozuelo scores the penalty. Um, and then you have this uh, the, the in the two in the two zero goal. Um, you have a, a save. Uh, Vega saves the uh, saves in the the um, rebound goes like right to Richie Larea, which is called for. Some people wonder if it's offside. I don't necessarily think so. No, I thought that one was. It looks onside to me. I, I thought the the penalty was a little weak when you have a player much smaller. I mean, he's got his arms on Altador, but I think he goes down a little easy. But um, yeah, I think the the goal for Larea stands. And for the better part of like half an hour, it sort of looks like okay, Toronto's got San Jose's number, and this is game. This game is going to go how we might expect it to go. Then you got and Espinosa then... runs up to the top of the box. <laughs> has a shot deflected in by Andy Rios to uh, narrow it to one. And then on the 95th minute, it's Oswaldo Alanis takes a free kick from far wide. Like it was almost... Just ridiculous. It almost looks like... I mean, from one angle, it looks like it could be as far away as to be an Olympico. But from another angle, you could almost say that maybe it was like 10 yards out, but just wide. Um... But still, it looked phenomenal. Just to, just, just, I was. Was it a cross, a my, shot, or my, a crotch? Uh, my jaw dropped. Yeah, it's, I, my jaw dropped it when I watched it again. Like, I just, I knew it was coming and I still was like, how did it, how, how? Um, I also love Daniel Vega's reaction to the goal. It just comes like running up to his bench to celebrate with the coaches. And I love San Jose is a team with a lot of emotion and a lot of, like, they really are great at celebrating goals. Um, Almeida as well. I'm very here for Almeida just going absolutely ballistic as well for this late equalizer. And Toronto looked so organized for so much of this game. Um, But this is really interesting. I mean, these are two teams that are hardly ever going to play each other. Um, And... But it certainly is like a potential possible like first round playoff matchup, um, depending on how Toronto I, seeds. Just bizarre game, um, but great. I think that that it was a very it, that is a great point. That I don't know that 
I, I don't know when we could ever see these two in an MLS Cup, but I think that, that it was they two managers that really put a lot of thought into defeating, trying to defeat each other. Um, and I'm willing to concede that San Jose is going to give people more problems than I thought they were um, last week in our season preview. Um, Montreal got its season off to um, a, a roaring start with a 2-1 win uh, over New England. They had got a, a near a 0-0 draw in uh, Olympic Stadium in midweek to Saprissa, which is gets them ahead in the, the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, but this was this was sort of the league debut for Thierry Henry. Um, and it almost could have gone a different way because Teal uh, Bunbury scored very scored early in the 13th minute. Um, he was open beyond the pack. Uh, Romel Kyoto uh, uh, buried a, a chance that was created by Joel Waterman, who came from um, Cavalry FC in the Canadian Premier League, on and was one of the big Campiel guys. Yeah, and that's he, right. Um, he paid off. Instantly, but so we you have this this scene set at one one, um, and New England have this goal that is called aside by uh, by VAR that you really feel like it could have gone in another direction. Yeah, yeah, I think they got a little <laughs> bit lucky on that one. <laughs> There's some interesting VAR moments. Uh, that reminds me, I need to tell you now, I, I finally caved and I was like, I'm going to play MLS oh. Fantasy this year again. I, I missed this week, but today I, st- I started my team and I decided to call it VAR <laughs> I'll get, City I'll, I'll have to start because I meant to start and I didn't do it. So I'll have to do it and then we'll be on the same footing. Um, I also I also have in my notes here, books nice. up beat the keeper, but it's wide, somebody says in the commentary. This is one of my pet peeves. No, he didn't beat the keeper. If it's wide, if it if it's wide, the keeper, keeper saved appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, um, I get what they're trying to say, where it's like positionally he had him caught out, but like you know, you didn't beat the keeper if you um, shoot and, it wide. So the so I what happens <sighs> yeah. here is Wilfred Zahibo, um, they they start this free kick with Christian Pinilla. I guess has this 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 tactical maneuver where he's going to stand five yards offside and get everybody thinking. Um, but I think that what had happened is that the ball was played from the free kick forward to Brendan Bai, who then played it forward to Zahibo. And I, I haven't seen an in-depth uh, in, in in uh, suggestion of what the offside specifically was. But I think that that must be the moment where people are thinking of where where um, where things got lost offside-wise. Um, New England, yeah. I think that this is... There's an New England fans. I think we had a little bit of uh, we're a little grouchy about it. I thought that was interesting that in another game this week that you heard somebody say, "quote um, MLS is often held up as an example of VAR at its best." And I like VAR overall, and I think the VAR has been gone well. But I think it's interesting that that height mm-hmm. in um, in reputation has happened all during the MLS offseason. Because the Premier League has been so bad with it. Internationally, it's so bad that it's like, it's all just the fact that VAR works. And sometimes it works well, and mostly it works well. And sometimes it works kind of badly. But we don't have these these graphics 
I mean, maybe that's maybe it's being called the exact same, but ultimately they they they're not calling things that aren't as clear and obvious. I think more than more in MLS than in other leagues. Mm-hmm. But it's just that we don't have this graphic of of Wilfred Zahibo's arm. Is is the is the main is the main difference I feel <laughs> between uh, perception between the Premier yeah. League and MLS. We just haven't we just haven't gotten any time with it recently to get mad at it yet. Yeah, I think there was a, a, a. I agree. Overall, I think it's been good, um, and certainly it's better than not having it. But there, yeah, there's a couple of questionable ones this weekend. I did want to touch on though. Montreal just announced they have brought in another player. They brought in uh, Victor Wanyama Ooh. is coming to offer some. I'm very interested reinforcements. in this. Um, did we? I, I there were two more goals in this, and one that I wanted to mention out of this was. At that point, it was uh, yeah. It was one one. Uh, it was Maxi Arui, which scored another jaw dropping goal from this weekend. I think one of my favorites, and as good as Carlos Vela's goal. I would. Oh, absolutely! And also, props to you for calling this one because you've always been big on Arudi. And I, I think he's underrated, but I've never. I'm kind of like, eh, I mean, what he's gonna get? Like maybe five or six goals in a season? And he just. Like for Dallas, yeah, he was so good, goal. and I don't think that he quite had the same level of success last year in Montreal. But I would love to see more from him. Um, uh, New England also could have had a, a, a tying goal here, but it was headed into the post. I am very interested. That that aside, great win for Montreal. Victor Wanyama coming from Spurs on a free transfer. Yeah, your team has given up two players now to Montreal. Um, they signed a younger center back in the offseason. I forget his name. And then they're bringing in um, Wanyama to to shore up the midfield. And he's, and the interesting thing for Montreal is he's Wanyama's just the second DP. So they still have a third DP spot open. Um, and you, you got to think, like, they're they're building something here that this is starting a, to look this pretty is good. This is a deal... That is either going to be. It's interesting to think of. It's interesting to think about because I feel like there's two schools of thought on um, on this deal that are wild opposites. It's like either this is a player that is often injured and he is going to be as much of a disappointment as he was in the last two years. Because I'd say that I'd say that he kind of had. He only played. He's only played twice in, the, in this season and has had difficulties since getting back in. In, in injury, he had two great years. He had two okay years where he was was navigating the injury things, and I've maybe so maybe dis, disappointment is strong. Yeah. But it's like, like I've heard people argue that it is uh, you know, Glass City FC had the tweet where it's like this could be bad for the impact because Wanyami is is so often injured. But what we're talking about here, this is now a midfield that's so packed. All of a sudden, impact is looking so stacked. You have uh, Wanyama has been in, and I even think as, as recently as last season and in, in that Champions League run, he didn't play in the final, but he played in the semifinal. Um, he's somebody who can kind of keep things organized in the defensive side of the midfield. And I think that he's he's been a yeah. part of great performances. He's had some memorable goals, but it's mostly it's his, his defensive side of the work, uh, ball work that is, is going to be interesting to people. You now have this 
this strange mix of, and, of players in the midfield in the midfield and throughout the team. You do, and all it is it is a really all over the place mix of of midfielders. I agree, but. Um, I think that's what people are overlooking a lot of times when transfers come in is they're just thinking about like physical ability. Are they quick? Are they strong? Can they score? And forgetting that there's a lot of other sides to the game in MLS that are really necessary. And one of them is having soccer intelligence on your side. And Wanyama is bringing heaps of that, uh, bringing leadership. He's obviously being brought in to mentor some of the younger players as well. Um, it's clear Henri has a, a defensive um, plan in place for Montreal as well and wants to continue that. Like, Montreal's been a quite defensive team a lot of the time, um, and that's been one of their stronger points. Obviously, we've seen that break down at times, but, you know, they're trying to... That foundation is there. They've always been a team that's focused on defending and defending well. So I, I think that's where Wanyam's going to have the biggest impact is heh, on the the, like the actual building of the team and getting some of that chemistry going and instilling some good defensive principles. And he's also, I mean, he's just got a great footballing pedigree. Of course, he's going to get some assists. Sounds and, like and he wanted to go. Um, the, that they, they were like looking for options for him earlier. And um, it's the interview that I saw uh, would suggest from his end that he, um, he had a conversation with Henri, and that's what made him want him to want to go at the at the conclusion of that. That could, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would that could for be me too. That could be that could be PR, <laughs> like, but I mean, like, I mean, why would you say that you wanted to talk to the manager? But I think you you said it last season when they when everybody was asking, well, like, well, why Henri if he's not proven? It's like, well, simple. He's going to be able to yeah. attract good players to the club. Like, if nothing else, even if he's a terrible manager. He, he'll be able to he bring said, I want you players. to be a part of my, my side. Um, and, and one player and said that absolutely he wanted to, he responded to that. One player who's already come to the league, who arrived with much fanfare, did not quite have things go his way as LA galaxy had to settle sharing a point. I thought for sure I had part of this game on and then, uh, the I had, I was watching the Montreal game instead of this. Um, the I thought for sure I thought saw somebody tweet the Chicharito had scored, and it was only when I came around to watching the highlights that it was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, this was a. When I also love that immediately following this game too, there's all these articles about like here's why Chicharito's going to take some time to settle in. Um, and how he was shut down. And I'm like, literally 12 hours ago, you guys were like, he's going to be the greatest goal scorer in MLS history. <laughs> and now it's like, well, we got to gotta be patient. But he really had a pretty quiet day uh, on the this pitch. This game showed for me that this season, as last season, people are sleeping on Christian Pavon. <laughs> I think that I think that from oh, the moment yeah. that he, he has this amazing goal, this rocket, He's the the uh, a goalkeeper assist for David Bingham, who who finds him with a sends this long clearance to find him on the left, and, and he runs across the top of the box and dumps it into the top right corner. That like obviously he arrived late last year, and you was not really in the um, the contention for any sort of like you know player of the year awards or whatever. 
But I think that it was politeness that made us wonder if he was not the best player on that team at the end of, of at the end of, of, mm-hmm. of Galaxy season. Yeah. And he certainly uh, was the best player on uh, the best Galaxy player in the game. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I thought he had an absolutely great game. Um, but it, it wasn't not enough as Houston, their, their speed and just ability to, to cut into the box. Mauro Minota scores in the 54th minute um, to tie it. I, I thought LA Galaxy did hang on, and I think they had the better chances for most of the second half. But Houston did what they needed to do to hold on to a point, which is something that I was really glad to see Houston do because that's where they've struggled in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, One person that I thought did great in this game is... Uh... Zarek Valentin, who came in from the Timbers, looked like he was uh, licking up with Minotis pretty good. Um, you you heard his name a lot. He got in there. Yeah, yeah. A good a good account. Alexander Katai. I also a wanted to say because I, I had down on Alexander Katai uh, arrived, <laughs> and he. Um, I'm interested to see if this is going to be a good or a bad year from him from him because he had a lot of chances. And he had a lot of attempts, but he looked pretty frustrated when he got uh, substituted off. Yeah, well, don't sign for the <laughs> Galaxy. <yet. laughs> I think service service is going to continue to be the issue there, the, the link-up play. Um, a team that I was pretty down on last week um, and not sure really what their season would look like, and you were like, I don't know, Nick, they're going to be pretty good. Dallas dispatched Philadelphia to zip. All right. Dallas comes in against Philadelphia. I watched most of this game <laughs> until about the scoring started. And it was, it looked like a preseason game for much of this game, or, or at least for the first sort of 30 minutes or so. Um, but sneaky Dallas. I mean, the speed and accuracy of their short passing, I thought was phenomenal in this game and and just goes to show again sometimes you don't need big names to make things happen um i thought andre blake was good for philadelphia but they we we've talked about this um in our preseason shows i just did not quite understand what philadelphia was like what their plan was i didn't see much of an identity and they looked very preseason mode and dallas looked like once the first sort of 20 minutes were out of the way, I thought they looked really sharp and really lethal. And I think Philadelphia was maybe a bit lucky to come out of this one um, with just two nil. Yeah. Um, I think I know that I was wanted to believe that uh, things were going to be good at Philadelphia uh, in, in, in what form that takes is not really obvious coming out of this in terms of how they're going to find success. Um, I heard a lot of. Uh, it was interesting to see a lot of Fafa Pico playing yeah, immediately. I was just going to say that. Yeah, he was. He was just all over um, them. I loved as well the Dallas. Uh, whoever is playing the trumpet and the Dallas fans who had a Casper Shavelko shoots wide. Trump bump bump Oh, it's one of sad trombone Houston fans. I love. Never stop um, sad tromboning. Two great goals. Uh, Zdenek Andrasik. Yeah, they're... Um, with, a, with a hammer shot. Their new guy came in. Um, it's a hell of a goal. If he's going to keep doing that, I'm not even sure that was his like preferred angle to shoot at, but 
is able to rip one wide of Andre Blake, and then Paxton Pomichol scores a great one super late as well. Pomichol had come in uh, very late. I, I didn't catch if he had had some injury issues, but but um, I know that there were some questions when he was going to enter the game, and he entered with 14 minutes remaining, and he made it count uh, in the 91st minute. Sure did. Um, my My most underwhelming game of the weekend that... I mean, maybe some people are not surprised by, but Orlando RSL, I watched a good portion of this game and it was very preseason-y, very chippy. I mean, there were some chances, but this game to me was just, it was all over the shop. RSL at times looked okay, but just neither team could really hold on to possession. And I was ultimately quite disappointed. I wanted to see at least one of these two clubs show that they had done something different, but Orlando just looked really all over the place quite a bit. Chris Mueller looked good, um, which is a good sign. RSL had little flashes here and there. I think Corey Baird got into some dangerous areas, um, and and Krylock had a couple of opportunities. But other than that, this game for me was just sort of an open and shut snooze fest. Junior Urso stood out to me. Um, mm-hmm. the MLS highlights package this year are now all seven minutes long. And this is not a game that needed seven minutes of highlights. There weren't no. seven minutes in there. A lot no. of crowd B footage <laughs> the only, worked in. The lot of, the thing that, that stood out to me the most was the, the commentator uh, saying is Justin Glad got called for a yellow card for holding. Yeah. Justin Glad is holding him on the waist like I do on February 14th to my wife. Yeah. There, okay. Another time we're going to have to do some commentary analysis because I, I w- there were some <laughs> things said this weekend where I was just like, what is happening right now? Where do we find these people? Anyway. Um, A very interesting game to me. Yeah. Was Columbus, New York. Because this was a game that I thought that, you know, um, I didn't, I, I came into it, um, I missed the opening minutes where uh, Cheneau got sent off after um, apparently clipping the foot of Zellerayan. Um, he doesn't trip him per se, but it, there's definitely, it, it appears to be contact on the side of the foot. Um, it gets sent off three minutes into the game. So I, you know, have have wondered that, I, I thought that, that New York City was going to do really well this year, and, and they certainly poured on the pressure late. But, um Columbus did a great job of taking advantage of that situation and uh, and eventually get the one nothing home win. Yeah, I thought I was surprised by this one too, but I mean, when you get such a key player sent off in the third minute, like what are you going to do? I mean, it's unfortunate for Chanel. It's there's not much in it, but he's the last defender back. He's got position on um, the Columbus player coming through. I forget who he brings down, but I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, at any other point in the game, you probably got to give a red card for that. So, just because it's the third minute doesn't mean it can't be given or shouldn't be given. It was, uh, it was, it was Zella Ryan who. Uh, so, so you um, and I wanted to, I wanted to check this with you. You felt okay with this? I, I mean, it's a little harsh. And I think ideally we want to see more soccer than less, but I I think it's the right call. 
Um, so it was the it was the the Argentinian Lucas Delarayan who he um, uh, who he brought down who's who's just joined in the off season for Tigris uh, who um, also got the goal in the game. Yeah, great pickup for Columbus. Um, I also thought Columbus looked like a, a pretty organized side. New York City FC just signed another player today, I think, as well, or maybe yesterday. So. <laughs> Their depth looks good. I think you're still right in thinking New York City FC is going to be a fantastic team this year. Um, I think Columbus is, is also going to be really great in the East. So it was a great first-day matchup to get a look at both sides. It's unfortunate um, New York City had to play so much of it with 10 men. Uh, that being said, I, th- I think Columbus deserved to win this game. Meanwhile, back in New York, um, New York Rebels started their season... I, you had, you had, I didn't understand the extent to which this was going to be Danny Royer FC here in their 3-2 win against Cincinnati. I don't even think I understood it. (laughs) And I was watching it. (laughs) But the first goal for New York Red Bulls comes off of this incredible play where Danny Royer is just somehow able, able to keep the ball in and off the line. And like, as he's falling, just spray it back into play. And I think it might've gone to Velo, but it just sets up this sequence where I think Cincinnati's a little bit stunned that the play is still alive and then the Red Bulls are able to capitalize on it. Kaku gets the second ball on the twenty on the twenty seventh minute. Um uh Cincinnati gets the first goal as um Brandon Vasquez is running in on the break and, and the Red Bulls really didn't get back uh quick enough. He played it to Alan Cruz who scores. I think that this is a uh, and and Royer then gets the the third. I think that the second goal that Cincinnati uh, gets, they they get close, but they don't manage to to take it. This uh, uh, a giveaway in the middle frees uh, Locadia, who goes one on one with the new Red Bull uh, goalkeeper Janssen. Um Jensen Jensen Janssen, who uh, who beats Locadia on the one on one. But the ball falls past him, and, and the forward is able to advance and get the get the ball and score. Um, it seems like you know, uh, was it Red Bulls? You said or is going to be one of the teams that that scores a bunch and gives up a bunch because, wow, I might have said something. That like was that. a that was a great example of this this year. Yeah, this year in this game. I mean, credit to Red Bulls for knocking three in. I think they they also got lucky in, in drawing against Cincinnati in their first game because Cincinnati looked all over the place for much of this game. The difference is now Cincinnati has goal scorers. I mean, they had Cruz last season. Um, I think overall um, Cincinnati has improved, but you really just saw... just it's It's down to tactics and organization sometimes with them. It's not for lack of talent on their side. It's just that players are out of position. They're not tracking runs. But I also, I mean, Danny Royer also just has a, an absolute field day. And I'm thinking, like, somebody ate his Wheaties in his off season because he, he was everywhere. <laughs> I mean, he was alive defensively. He was out on the wings. He was in the middle of the, like, you know, going box to box. Um, I, I thought he had a, a fantastic game in Red Bulls. They're certainly not out of it. I thought... It's good three points for them, but I, I think Red Bulls fans will still be feeling like they, you know, this game could have even ended up three three. So we'll see what happens. The with new that. look, the new look, um, Chicago Fire came to Seattle, um, and 
lost to one as is I think that it looked like they they were putting together something interesting. Not a lot in the first half, but Chicago gets the first goal, and then after a disallowed disallowed uh, goal uh, from Christian Roldan that was set up by Jordan Morris, Morris himself scores twice. Who's set uh, up by Christian Roldan. <laughs> it's like several, a couple of minutes later. <laughs> it's like almost the exact same play, but in opposite. And it's um, Roldan to Morris. And you just see, I love there's a cutaway to Schmetzer on the bench, just like nudging his assistant coach being like, oh, there you go. Call the goal back and we'll just do it a different way. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that, you know, Chicago's goal, there's new defenders in the back line for Seattle and, and they looked a little bit. Uh, pulled out at times, and Chicago has some good pieces that they've added, but this one really... um, Seattle is one of those teams that can play all out of sorts and still beat you, and uh, with Jordan Morris, you know, running high with two goals, I I just have a feeling the slow start Seattle is maybe not going to be a thing this year. That uh, I mean, I'm sure they would be happy to hear that. (laughs) It's another 90th minute goal with Jordan Morris scoring the header on the 93rd minute. Yeah. Um, this was the this was the lead in to um to Vancouver, who who finished out the night with their game against uh, Sporting Kansas City at home. Um, a a game that that where you after after Sporting Kansas City scored the first, you you thought that maybe this that something could happen for them, but. Um, they took it away with the the, the second goal. A uh, comeback, really. Any any attempts to have a comeback didn't really seem like that it was going to find purchase. And then Eric Hurtado fires home um, in the it, late in the game. Is that is this another ninth minute goal? Um, pretty close to the the former Whitecaps player um, twists the knife, hits the volley um, off of a ball from. From Gerso puts his hand to his ear. I uh, am definitely somebody who is always happy to see Eric Hurtado find success in his post Whitecaps career, but it was painful here. I cheered it on. <laughs> I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a horrible. It's the, it was a 95th minute goal. Um, I, I will say, as Hurtado came on for Sporting Kansas City, the guy standing behind me goes, oh, here comes Barndorn Hurtado. And I was like, man, you just signed his check. Um, <laughs> and I so wish I'd said something. Although if I'd said something, probably hurt, he wouldn't have scored. But I, I cheered on the goal. I was like, you know what? This serves everybody right. Good for him. Um, you know, he... He was a heartbreaker against Sporting Kansas City two years ago, and for me, this was smart enough to snag him. Um, it's only right that he do it back to us. Just a really lackluster game from Vancouver. It was it was really disappointing to see so many things come together in preseason and hear all of the stuff, stuff Mark Dos Santos was talking about building, and then just see absolutely none of it get executed on the field. Um, he looked stressed. Yeah, he did. He looked very stressed. And he he was sort of calm in his post game comments, but you think like he he must have just been like baffled and furious. That's like we just did this, you know. We've beaten good teams in the preseason playing the system. The high press was not present. They couldn't hold on to the ball for the life of them. Um, there was virtually no service whatsoever um, to the strikers, which. At one point, you know, they've got three or four, they have four strikers on basically, four forwards. 
but it's like how many people needed to say it how many times? It doesn't matter how many strikers you have if none of them can get the ball because it's Vancouver's midfield that's yeah. been the problem. And it's like now people are finally saying like, well, maybe their midfield needs strengthening. Like we've been saying that all along. We've had good strikers before, not as good as Cavallini, but like, man, they've got some work to do. It was uh, indeed. I just the the image that stands out to me is Mark Dos Santos in those final moment final moments standing on the side with his just his his shirt was like akimbo. He looked like he was had been on a night out and was just frantically trying to get a cab as all the other cabs are taken by other people. Yeah. Um, the with 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 panic in his eyes. The um. Uh, this was the the matchup between Alan Pulido, uh, who scored, and Lucas Cavallini, who didn't. But I thought they had some decent, um, who had some decent chances. But you're right. I mean, they they were the the Cavallini chances were like you know individual systems, not chance, not systems chances. Yeah, yeah, which I think is still a, um, a good sign. Um, but I, I just. I it fi- I failed to see where it's all going to come together. It's interesting that so many people have talked about the weak midfield, and some people have called out Tybert for this. I thought Inbaum had an absolute mare of against. It's just so bad. Um, he looked bad, didn't he? His pass accuracy was was not good. He was getting out muscled again everywhere. Most of his passes were back as well. I barely saw him make any forward plays, and he just looked really uncomfortable um, with Kansas City bearing down on him. Um, which is not a good sign. I, I mean, we've talked about him maybe being better in a holding midfield position, but um, you have to think with new arrivals coming, if he gets pushed out of that spot, where do you put him? Because he hasn't proved to be a particularly effective number 10. Um, and that, that to me, was kind of the nat- the next natural position to have him. But he, I, I thought it was a pretty poor game. And if... MDS is stressed. I think Inbaum's got to be feeling a little bit stressed as well. I, I've i wanted to, to really like Inbaum because I've always thought because we needed somebody in that position and he has yeah. at times looked promising. But but he, I don't think it is possible to look at it and to see that he suggests that he has um, paid off on that promise mm. kind of at any point. I'd agree. Like, I, I don't I mean, know that there has been a point where Inbaum has been good. He's had a couple of, like, some good moments and, and little plays here and there, but certainly in terms of return on investment. And I think, like, obviously he deserves time. I'm not trying to be too harsh on the kid. I, I like him. I still like him. Um, it, it just, it's the unfortunate thing of, like, well, the difference between him and Tybert is Tybert ran hard for that entire game and was everywhere and was making tackles and you know, you need a player that can break up plays because no one else was. So, you know, yes, Tyber got beaten sometimes, but, you know, he was in the right places. Um, and I I don't know his passing stats, but they certainly looked pretty good to me and was one of the few players that was transitioning the ball forward. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out. But I agree, uh, Mark Dos Santos has got to be feeling the heat here. A goal for Vancouver's right back, um, uh, Jake Nurwinski, who scores his. Uh, I don't know why he, why that blanked on me all of a sudden. Who scored his second goal of his career? Looked 
Um, absolutely pleased as did uh, overjoyed as did uh, um, the BC Place fans who um, caught a kick out of that one. Yeah, I I love it. It's a, it's a great goal as well. Um, nice and simple. Um, and people have talked about you know Nerwinski what he brings to the team and I think he's finally being seen as a, a player that can provide I kind of laugh at the goal because we picked up exactly where we left off defensively not very good giving up lots of goals but our defenders can still sc- still score <laughs> this is the game this is the other the other thing of note that took place here is that the Whitecaps announced after pretty soon after we talked last week that they were going to do this thing where the team was going to arrive on a bus to the stadium 90 minutes before kickoff so that they could walk through the the Southsiders entrance, like the fan entrance. They were going to walk into the, the concourse, and that was how they were going to arrive. Uh, as noted, the Southsiders don't usually show up 90 minutes before the game, and they amended their plans to do it. There was a lot of traffic in downtown, and the bus couldn't arrive. And I'm I my understanding is that fans in the march uh, basically stop traffic so that the Whitecaps bus could get to the game. <laughs> I, w- I was up the road um, having a bite to eat, so I, I didn't participate in it. But yeah, there was definitely some bus problems. Traffic did not factor into their plans on Saturday night in downtown Vancouver. It's a great, it's a great idea. It's a great it's idea. A... <laughs> but everybody has to change their plans to accommodate this great idea. Yeah. And then it kind of didn't work. Not so much. But I mean, but it was... It was a, a point of unit, like it was a wonderful, must have been a wonderful moment in memory for the people that took place. Sure. Or that took part in it. Uh, so So I guess you, you do achieve that. Um, I was wrong yesterday when I said that Seattle set up the late game in um, in on Saturday, which was the Vancouver game, because it, it was actually on Sunday and it set up LAF, LAFC versus Miami, the new, um, the new arrivals to the league. The David Beckham boys um, were in L.A. on Sunday. Uh, Beckham was uh, uh, on his own in the owner's box, obviously getting B-roll shots taken because I definitely remember seeing those shots in the opening parts of the game as though it was live footage. But it's when the fans <laughs> were shouting, you know, you you look lonely. <laughs> the LAFC fans are sitting to him. And he sits alone it. in the owner's box so that they I can get the it. shots of him. I know, like, people this r- is... rag on LAFC fans, but I-, I like them a lot. There's a lot of good humor there. They're, they looked, it looks like a really, it looks like a lot of fun there. I mean, they had yeah. the big, they had the um, the Kobe Bryant and, um, and his daughter, the Tifo, there at the beginning. And it looks like the safe standing um, yeah. is, to, they have this great, you know, side-by-side bounce that they're really taking advantage of of the safe standing section that's been set up behind the, the goal there. Um, this was an interesting game, a one, nothing game. Um, you see a lot of, uh, of, of, of Rossi and, and Vela coming together. I felt that I, fe- I felt that this was almost more, um, that you almost saw a bit more of Rossi than you, you sometimes do. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, he's you very know, active. It, it, sometimes it could be a Vela show last year, and in, in this it was it was fifty fifty Rossi and Vela. Although it is Vela himself who scores this beautiful goal on the forty fourth. It's called the the 
the other way in which the MLS hype machine was in, in place is that, you know, this beautiful goal from Vela, which is exactly the same goal. It was scored the day before by Uridi. Both of them, beautiful. I I will say this one was dirtier. <laughs> but I agree. They're, <laughs> they're, this, they're the same goal on the surface of it. I thought Arudi's was a thing of beauty. Um, and I thought Vela's was just dirty, just filthy. <laughs> Both great goals. Chip, he plays out of coverage and runs right to left and then hits a, a chip into the corner. Um, and the worst part is like Robles is doing everything right. I thought he had a fantastic game. He looked fit. Um, the commentators were talking about how fit he looked uh, at the beginning of the game and how much he's taken on a leadership role for Miami. I think he's such a good pickup for them. Had a great game and then just gets done so dirty on this play where you're just like, this is one of those breathing through your teeth kind of things where you're just like, oof, 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 that's rude. Um, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to put it all on the new Janssen in, in New York, but, but the New York had a tough game that I think that experienced a soft goalkeeping moment oh, yeah. in that final goal. Mm-hmm. And when you see um, Robles performed so well here in front of some of the league's best attacking players, it's just like, you let him go for free. Yeah. You just, you, yeah, I... you, you could have had this for nothing. You yeah. had it. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard to, and it's it, just hard to think about. But I love I love that Robles comes in and, you know, he's with a new club for the first time in ages. And he's just taken it on. He's he's taken on the challenge and he this is what you need to do, especially as a goalkeeper, is have a good first game with your new team. And he he led them, he kept them organized, and he stood on his head to keep that ball out of the net. It's unfortunate he didn't come away with a clean sheet, but you know, he certainly proved equal to the task against e- the league's easily uh, most threatening offense to get only be done for one. I still think that's a, a pretty good night at the office. Um, I thought Miami had lots of chances, though. It w- this was not a typical romp you'd see for LAFC. Um, Pizarro had a couple of chances. Miami's big new signing. Um, mm-hmm. overall, I, I thought it was a good showing for Miami. I think they're going to cause teams big problems. And if Robles plays like that, they're going to be real hard to score against. Uh, a, again, I'm, I'm very excited to see it. I think that, 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 um, that they did great in their, their opening game. You know, John Champion was out who, who is great is out here, you know, saying, you know, this could be the most monumentous you know this could this could be a turning point for the league in popularity because David Beckham owns a team, and there was a there was a a moment where they cut away during live play to Inter Miami supporters watching in a bar as Lizzo's Truth Hurts is playing because they couldn't get the game audio on at the bar for the official Inter Miami party, and they cut back to play. In, or maybe it was picture in picture, but the audio had switched to the Inter Miami uh, feed, and then he's like, "Raucous supporters in in Miami." It's like that was clearly like an okay party at best. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like sometimes it's just like, can you just let the hype mich- let the fans do the hyping? You know, like leave it to the supporters. You don't need to like milk every single thing for all it's worth. Um, I didn't see anything from Nashville, and the moment that the the game was in Nashville, I was like, "Nice, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah." I was, you know, I was very, I was very pleasantly surprised, and I think that that is how you 
You're absolutely right. That is how you uh, you you let the fans speak on on whether or not the fans are enjoying it. Totally. Um, some fans that were mighty happy on the weekend wrapping things out with the final game were the Minnesota fans who just tore Portland a new one. Um, they won this game 3-1. Some fantastic play. Um, Mi- Minnesota actually goes down early because of probably one of the weakest penalty calls I've seen in a while. Certainly, I think, the weakest Ooh. one of the weekend on Opara. And uh, we won't mention any referee names, but I'm sure you can give a guess as to who called this one. Um, <laughs> and so Portland is able to convert. Um, Tyler Miller just looks so uncomfortable on this PK. I was like, oh, buddy, take a breath. Take a breath. But he he, do, he never looks like he's going to save it. But Minnesota gets themselves back in, mainly through um, the efforts of Molino. My goodness. What a performance from Minnesota. Um, I think, yeah, I think they're going to be real, real good this season. He did great. I also thought Eaton Finley did wonderful for Minnesota oh, that as cr- well. That cross. Sets up Amaria with it for the second goal and then also has this flick to Molino for the third. Yeah, Ethan Finley is just uh, continues to be such an important piece for them and yeah, I just a Minnesota that has you know in, increased their talent so much. The the big piece they were missing we've talked about was uh, you know a really solid goalkeeper that they got last season then couldn't keep. Uh, bringing in taking a bit of a chance on Tyler Miller and despite not being able to do much on the PK, I thought overall he had a, he had a good game and has improved um, things for Minnesota considerably. I'm not too worried about Portland, though. I think Portland is going to have that slow start and, you know, take a while to get running with things. But I I think that this game played in three months would still have a similar result. Minnesota look really good, really pacey, lots of crisp passes. Um, Tactically, I thought they looked fantastic. Minnesota's going to be a great team, and I don't know if people are ready for it. Um, my best under, my best uh, ability to try to understand that penalty kick is that I guess he kind of it, Opara and Mora's arms are linked together, and I guess Mora kind of like turns in on like you know if you think of what two players would look like that Mora tr- kind of turns in and tries to like play through the arms and then falls over. So, yeah. I mean, it's contact. <laughs> but at the same time, it it looks pretty soft. Yeah, um, I definitely I definitely agree that that Minnesota is Minnesota impressed me, and it's I I was shaking my head because I was the one that said that I thought Minnesota was going to do poorly in in Philadelphia. I came in to last week with my notes saying Philadelphia is going to look great and Minnesota is going to uh, not impress, and it was absolutely the other way around. I mean, it's also one game, right? Like this is that's true. This is the thing is like I got real excited too. I'm like, hey, we called it, we called it. Oh, we were wrong on that one. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, it is also the first game of the season, so let's let's you know temper our expectations. It's MLS. Lots can happen in a short period of time. Elsewhere around the league, um, we covered most of the the key bits of news, but um, we talked about Federico Iguain to um, DC United, which which ended up taking place yeah um he signs as a player and a quote player development coach so it's not clear if that's with the first team or or with the academy um 
tornadoes. There was a there's been an awful storm in Tennessee mm-hmm. um, that uh, has uh, killed 21 people. Uh, that that spun off into little tornadoes, I guess that, that um, blew out basically the whole the windows in the front room of David Akam's house. Um, and he posted photos of it, and the team is taking taking care of him. And of course, our thoughts go out to everybody in the Tennessee area after that storm. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was there last year, um, and at that time, the club had like just been announced and there was virtually no, I mean, there were no signings um, and the club barely existed, but I, I had witnessed even like a light mild Tennessee storm. And that was like, Oh, the gods are very angry. This could get out of hand real quick. <laughs> and there was a tornado warning. And I was like, please, Please no. I don't need to see that. I don't need to witness it. I don't need to hear it or be near it. And uh, yeah, just uh, just such a horrible thing to to happen. Um, and I'll, like you said, our hearts go out to everyone in Tennessee, in the Nashville area. Um, we hope folks are able to to recover. And um, yeah, there was there's been thought for a while that the uh, Rain FC and NWSL might see some changes after um, being bought by Olympic Lyonnais. Um, and some people who have liked the Facebook page got a notification today that the page has changed its name to OL Rain, um, which I think is going to, it's going to be felt some ways. There are people who say that, that, that teams, that larger teams that buy larger European teams have the right to spread their banning around. But uh, I think it rankles for some people. Um, the, uh, there were in CCL, there were absolute seeds, um, as Tigres had a goalkeeper goal in the final moments of their second leg, um, against, um, Alianza who were putting together quite the comeback and and threatening to score in a three, two situation. Um, but Nahuel Guzman, uh, comes up in the uh, late stages of the game to, uh, to head the, to head, uh, to head home. Uh, and looked like he had a good moment. As he saw <laughs> it looked like he had a good moment is such an understatement to that, but I like it. <laughs> um, Seattle missed out to Olympia on penalties. Oh yeah. I totally had forgotten about this game. Um, which had a really kind of bizarre storyline that for me overshadowed the result which was a familiar name to a lot of Whitecaps fans coming in, <laughs> apparently having quite a long memory, I might add, because it's been a while since I've said the name Johnny Leveron, but... Yeah. <laughs> he played, he's, uh, he played, what, in 2014? And, and um, so, he, yeah. he was the final penalty striker. Now, they, they, they I think, did their best to, to look at, um, Stefan Fry, who does great in penalties uh, usually, but they they got him on the left hand side twice, and then he, you know, how do you respond to that? Maybe there once you start diving, or sorry, he, he, yeah, to their shooter's left, to his right. Um, do you do you jump in that direction? Well, he did, and he got his hands on it, and they it still had so much power that it went in. So he was in an unfortunate situation, and I think it was Roll Don who who missed. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Leveron scored the last goal. They go through. They'll go meet uh, Montreal in the next round. Um, 
This was the. This is still kind of a part of the same qualifying path from when they uh, faced Forge FC last year at Concacaf League. Yeah. So, uh, so the the journey continues for Olympia, and 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 yeah, nice little cameo for Leveron, who's played a game or two against Seattle in his time. Um, the other big ones, uh, the other big, I guess, result is that LA had, you know, I had been full of my, I'd been full of myself talking about LA losing to Leon, um, after not, uh, LAFC after, you know, depending on, and, you know, wondering about the amount of preparations that had happened. Well, they came home to LA and they blew the doors off them three, nothing in a way that. Because we don't really talk about because so many teams last year had success against Mexican sides, that is a surprising result to me, and it came came from um, two phenomenal uh, goals from Carlos Vela and one great goal from Diego Rossi. He oh, yeah. he from far left lifts a beautiful ball from uh, from the far left into the top right corner. I would definitely recommend taking a look at that. Yeah, and it just—it's such a um, performance from LAFC. It really, this to me felt like Bob Bradley said it in his post-game comments, and I, I was feeling like it when I was watching the highlights to it, where I was like, "This feels like LAFC's turning a corner. Like they're—they've been a good team, but this feels this is different. Um, not just for them, but you know, for for MLS, this is maybe setting a new high watermark to just be so utterly in control of a game." Um, I mean, they, they did not just win this one. They won it emphatically. I mean, they barely had moments where they didn't have the ball. It was just, they came in and, um, overpowered and, and just like, wow. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be really interesting, really fun to watch them this year. And, and, and you could definitely, especially the, from the fact that the, the games are happening in the same week, it's, it's the, they were on the same level of, of dominance in both of these games for sure. Yeah. That was a, it, it, it was a, it was a very interesting opening week and opening weekend. I was, uh, I was glad to have some soccer to watch again and in, in those matches were great. It was only a little overwhelming. <laughs> There's so many teams in this league now. It, it, but I was surprised that, you know, like for 13 games, like I thought it, it, it was good scheduling. It moved along. There weren't too many games where I, I really felt like, you know, I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I felt like I got a good look at most teams and, and enough to be like, okay, like I can sort of see what the, they might be about this season. Um, and and few relatively few controversial calls, which is always a pleasure. Absolutely, um, and I love to see those. Uh, I love to see those ninetieth um, minute goals. Totally, are always wonderful. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to in uh, in the next weeks? Uh, in the next week's clashes, I see LA Galaxy, Vancouver. Um, could be pretty good. Toronto FC, NYFC, uh, Toronto FC, NYCFC, um, could always be one that, uh, that, that pops out to me for their, their, their past postseason history. Yeah. You know, I'm actually kind of looking forward to getting a better look at some sides that didn't do much this weekend. Um, and that's just sort of like the commentator in me. <laughs> I'd like mm-hmm. to see, um, I'd, I'd like to see how Cincinnati, 
um, fairs next week, and and if they can sort of organize themselves, RSL and Orlando to me are are the big ones. The obvious from the nil nil. Um, and it's not just because of the nil-nil result. It was the way they played that game. I actually watched a good portion of it thinking, well, sooner or later there's going to be goals. Um, but just very few plays that came together and two teams that we've talked a lot about in terms of um, kind of like needing to account for themselves and, and, and do really do something this season. Uh, what What's your thing that you're looking forward to? I think that you're absolutely right about RSL in, in- uh, RSL versus New York Red Bulls is a great, and um, Colorado versus Orlando is a great uh, opportunity to see both for RSL and Orlando, you know, if they just had a little blips last week, but also the Red Bulls who had that weird, you know, that now they're, now they're going to be playing on the road. They're going to, um, they're going to have to, you're going to see a little bit of a further test of the chaotic style that they, uh, they, they had there. And also you, you mentioned earlier, we're going to keep underestimating Colorado until they have a big signing or something happens. We're now going to see them at home and it'll be interesting to, once they get a couple of games together, this is the Colorado Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are actually going to be, you know, consistent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, and that's one of the, that's the other side of it, right? Just Colorado could win their first three or four games, and everyone will be like, "Oh, okay," but you know, they're not they're not necessarily a team with a ton of depth, um, and they don't have those big names, so it's possible. The New England Chicago one, I think that'll also be a good match. That's I think the first game next weekend. That fits into my that fits into like your where you were saying like the teams that you want to see more of, yeah, because. I think that that um, New England had a good game, but you know they they weren't able to come up on top of of Montreal. Um, but it, people are, I think, always interested to see what Bruce Arena is is going to do and and how things are going to shape up for them. And I think that they have got some good pieces there. Teal um, looked great in the game. Teal Blumberry looked great, and and things can always come and go with him. Uh, so it's interesting to see. And I think that we're still not seeing Chicago at Soldier Field, but they continue to be a real question mark. You know, people were saying in 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 their first game, I heard people on commentary say things like, oh, it's a real expansion team level of change. Well, Vancouver can tell you that expansion team's level of changes uh, in the, it does not always bring success. But I think that I don't really think that the result on the weekend gives a satisfactory uh, against Seattle gives us a um, a satisfactory answer to whether or not they're going to be good. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Oh boy, it's gonna be <laughs> my blood pressure's rising as we talk. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, where can we find you online? You can find me online at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. And of course, you can find this podcast at That's So, M- That's so MLS. I know what our podcast name is, .com. And uh, wherever fine pad... Wow, okay. This is what happens when we go long. Wherever fine podcasts are found, it's... I'm shaking off the preseason rust here too. Please rate, review, and subscribe. 
there's the preseason you know as, as much as the preseason rest is there i felt it felt for me like a uh like a like a uh i was as attentive as like the like a this penultimate game decision day i felt once everything once everything was happening i was ready to uh to receive all these games happening although you're right once the midweek games start it's going to be a little bit of an issue yeah. and until then i guess you can touch the ball and 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 you won't get sent off so you could do that in, in any other way don't get sent off and not in the third minute 